0: What up? This is Vince Carter, host of the VC Show from Omaha Productions. The VC Show will be your weekly home for all things NBA. Roz goldon Woody, and I will welcome illustrious guests, and I'll even share some never-before-told stories from my 22-year career in the association. So check it out, and then subscribe to the VC Show wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go! The VC Show, let's go!
1: What's up everybody? This is Roz Gold on I'm here with Vince Carter and welcome to the VC show. What up, Vince? How you doing?
0: Let's go. I'm good, man. Hey, you know when we do it together, we make magic, but when we have a guest all the time, it's it's just better than never. And we have a special guest today. A special but I'm not gonna one. say it. We played together, no. and we play I'm sorry, we played <laughs> against each other, and he made history against us. But Roz, tell everybody who we got.
1: Yeah, let me, let me throw up some flowers out here. This is a two-time champion, done once as a player, once as a coach, so it's seen both sides of the game, and now newly appointed as the head coach of the Los Angeles Lakers. We got Darvin Ham here. What's up, Darvin?
2: I'm good, folks. Thanks for having what's me. Coach yeah.
0: is coach? Every up? time I see him say, what's up, coach, now. I love no it. Doubt. No doubt.
1: It's so cool to see you here. First of all, I you're in Vegas right now. I'm just wondering, was Summer League, was that for you to just, you know, go shake hands and wave at people, or was this a really important time for you out in Vegas?
2: I thought it was an important time. You know, when we started out uh, Summer League practice back in L.A., I made sure, you know, it was my voice that they heard first and implementing our principles uh, on both sides of the ball, from transition defense to half-court defense, pick-and-roll defense, post-defense our defensive uh rebounding principles then that leading into how we want to run the floor our four out one end spacing naming our spots the different areas from who's pushing uh, pushing the attack to the different running habits who's in trail who's in the strong corner weak corner slasher to the dunker so i rolled my sleeves up on that first day that first practice and was all over it and but that's the reason why you put together a great staff. You know, I mean, Phil Handy stayed on with me. hired Chris Gent out of Atlanta. Got my got man. Yes, indeed. CJ is the man. Um, got my man, Jordan Ott, uh, who worked with us in Atlanta, but moved on to Brooklyn. And he's just coming over from Brooklyn. And the guy who I brought with me, Skylar Rimmer, Ooh. uh, who, who was in Atlanta, worked with Giannis every day for the past four years and so uh we, we we have a really along with some of the uh other uh holdover guys um drew Anthrop and john Pasteric, and and all of these guys that 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 are pitching in and, and trying to implement the system as well as learning it themselves mm-hmm. so uh it was important for me to be here touch the players uh see the people you know hang out with rob mm-hmm. uh spend time <laughs> just just and we had some some of our guys who we just signed and some of the guys who were on the roster last year that Came out voluntarily and did some individual workouts, and nice. so uh, it was just just set a great tone for what we're going to do going forward.
0: Well, D. Ham, I have two questions, uh, you know, that I've been wanting to ask, particularly new coaches. I like to ask. Uh, well, one, we know we've heard your name um, amongst coaching jobs and opportunities for some years now, and when you finally got that opportunity or got that call saying you were going to be the coach for the Los Angeles Lakers—not not only just the Lakers, but fulfilling that dream, obviously, that you've been putting into and wanting to do, what was that feeling like for you to finally get the nod as, yes, you're our head coach now?
2: Man, it was awesome, V. I mean, it, it was just, you know, Bud and I would talk about it all the time, you know, being with Coach B- Budenholzer for the last nine mm-hmm. years, every, you know, since his first day as a head coach himself, um, he would always say, you know, the timing, you can't control the timing. and. Nice. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big spiritual guy. I believe in God wholeheartedly and uh, everything. A lot of times when you think you're ready for something, God is like, hold on. You know, it might not even be your preparation. That's the concern. It's sometimes you can go into a messy environment as a good coach, and that doesn't reflect well. And you get all of the blame on you. So you have to be careful when you're doing your due diligence uh, because it's really a two-way street. and. You know, but getting that call from Rob and, and, and having Jeannie and Tim Harris, all those guys uh, over there at the, La- the Laker, Lakers Brass, mm-hmm. you know, pinpoint me as being the guy who they felt confident in and leading this next wave, this next charge toward a championship. It was very, very humbling, man. Very humbling. I actually felt prepared because, again, having gone through the cycle, like that was my 10th interview. Wow. So having, it, you know, essentially interview with a third of the league and, Sitting next to the, the guy I was sitting next to in Coach Bud, and his his biggest attribute as a coach, in my opinion, is his preparation. Okay. How efficient he is with his and well thought out he is with his preparation. So having all of those tools and and, mm-hmm. and then having being forced to be patient, it was uh, totally fulfilling.
0: I also, to him a quick follow-up, real quick to that because I'm interested as I move forward, it's something to think about. But all of these years coaching, you said nine years on the Bud. What, uh, so I'm sure you've taken notes and taken notes of things that you wanted, you want to do if you're in this position as a head coach. Now that you're in the position, do you go back, pull out the file cabinet, pull out all those notes and say, as a coach, I want to implement because my offense is going to look like this? Or is it kind of off of field now because of what you have in front of you? Or how do you take, how do you approach this new position now? Because I know how we can think, you know, wanting that position and then it can become a little different having the position now how do you approach that as far as running your offense and your defense and implementing who you want your teams to be
2: well as we all know that's on this call i mean it starts with your players mm-hmm. it, it it starts i can't go and and try to force a cookie cutter type uh, uh program towards some guys who just may not be built or equipped to make that an effective approach so mm-hmm. what i do is i look at our roster of players um i look at all of the guys that You know, we've signed the new guys we've signed and and the type of team that uh, we put together and continuously try to build upon um, and and create the best possible roster that we can have. You start there first and then you start implementing, you know, different ingredients of how we're going to play defensively, how we're going to play offensively. And it really starts on the defensive end, you know, looking at this team last year. And uh, no disrespect to Frank, you know, I, I had a chance to spend a little time with Frank Vogel in the bubble and get to know him a little bit. I think he's a phenomenal coach. We've coached against him in our Atlanta days when he was coaching Indiana, uh, won a championship here. But the way that the, the roster was built out, it, it just – it wasn't enough youth. It wasn't enough mm-hmm. athleticism. And when you have a big three like Russ, A.D., Bron. You want to put as much youth around them as possible, Uh, not because they're old and worn down. It's just they've done so much throughout their careers. There's so much mileage on them that you don't want them to just teeter out, you know, as you get to the most important parts of the season. So just having a free-flowing offensive style where everyone gets to touch the ball. And, again, that's more subjective on the type of players you have, the way you're going to play offensively. But defensively, I think, is more objective and you can have your biggest impact and improve approval on on the defensive side of the ball.
1: So if you could put it into definitive words that you hope for, given the roster that you have, what would you like the identity and foundation for this team to be in the upcoming season?
2: Well, I, I just been hitting them with, with three words constantly, and that's competitiveness togetherness and accountability. And I want to get back to competing, getting back to being tough, um, physical. You look at every Laker team that was a championship team and a successful team. They had a competitive a competitive edge. Um, their place was one of the toughest places to play. Um, they, they hit you on screens. They hit you on box outs. It's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, they, they apply pressure offensively, constantly attacking the paint and having a presence in the paint from Magic to Kareem to Shaq to Kobe to, to pal Gasol, like like they, they, they've they known, they've had that type of repertoire in every successful season that they've had. So just bringing that back and then just playing uh, fast, a faster brand of basketball, getting the ball up and down, playing with a lot of pace and uh, giving the fans something not only to be proud of, but with something that's also fun to watch.
1: How are you gonna play with all that pace and have all of that and also preserve those bodies of your elder superstar?
2: <laughs> well, right. you sit down you sit down with your medical team. Um, you sit down <laughs> with the player, you make sure we're eating right, you make sure we're sleeping right and we have a, a, a consistent regimen um, of how we're doing things in the weight room and also being smart about how we approach practices, shoot arounds, um, how we navigate the schedule when there's three games and four nights, mm-hmm. you know how many back to backs, uh, looking for opportunities to rest our guys. As well as, again, being efficient with their minutes also within the rotation. Mm-hmm. So I know it'll be some pushback initially with, mm-hmm. with, I right, coach, I want, you know, these guys are prideful guys. They play at high levels, but you, you have to take a break and you can't play a, the full 48 minutes. And so uh, being able to manage these guys' minutes and, again, being smart about how we practice, how long we practice, and, and when we can avoid a shoot around or two here and there.
1: Are you a big analytics guy?
2: I, I I'm I'm totally I, I totally see the value of it and and I totally implement it in what we do um, what we're going to do as well um, but you know I, I think the numbers just are there to confirm your eyes what your eyes are seeing you know I, I've, I've been around the game so long and I definitely it's a, it's a huge key to, to to try to acknowledge trends it helps you get well when you when you're preparing for an opponent. Uh, be it the regular season or or uh, playoffs, but I think it's a big part of it. It's not the only in, right. be all end all, but it's definitely a, a huge part of how we prepare.
1: Yeah, I, I only bring it up because people are gonna, you know, when they, you talk about managing bodies over a season, people look to to analytics. But I'm like you; I think it's a very, you know, great tool to have. But feel, you know, the understanding of the game, yeah. what you're seeing and feeling, that matters too. Okay. So Vince just came back, but I'm gonna throw this one at you while he settles in. Um, I think it's 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 an incredible journey you've been on. You said you interviewed with a large percentage of the league from yeah. multiple teams before. What was it that you feel helped you stand out this time in in the interview process?
2: Um, I think me having worked there before. Um, I worked. I started out my assistant coaching career at the NBA level in LA under Mike Brown, and then, you know, unfortunately, he was let go and Mike D'Antoni took over my second year. So I was there as a first-time NBA assistant coach from 2011 to 2013, and Kobe was there for those years and having the chance to coach him and Powell and Metta World Peace and that next year, Dwight, Steve Nash, all Antoine Jamison, you know, all the, like Steve Blake, like those those guys, all who I just mentioned, are are really basketball aficionados in their own right, and and th- having them help me and and do different things uh, be, th- th- that that allowed me to become a better coach. I think prepared me for when I doubled back, came full circle to sit down with them about mm-hmm. being their head coach. Just the familiarity with, with with having been there and knowing what that that job is like. Obviously, not the head coaching job per se, but being on a coaching staff, it being expected to go all the way year in and year out, so I, my comfort level was there. My passion, mm-hmm. my gratitude for them giving me my first shot was, mm-hmm. was definitely came through. I think and uh, having won twice as a player and now as a coach, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just I, I felt that hunger immediately when I walked in the building to get them back to prominence. If I would be the choice that they wanted to make.
1: Yeah, and people are paying attention to the process now, too. This is a question for both of y'all I would love to know. Um, by the end of the 20, the last season, half of the NBA coaches were black. It took forever to get there, you know, and, and just to see more diversity and representation in the highest positions, that represents what that diversity looks like amongst the players. So you being one of them, I mean, what does that mean to you guys? What is the significance of that, that kind of representation in coaching?
2: Well, you know, I, I like to uh, really acknowledge Bernie Bickerstaff mm-hmm. as a long uh assistant coach, then head coach who got head coach of the year. I think it was one of those years, late 80s, early 90s, one from those Denver teams, those Seattle teams he was able to coach. And all the way back to the Bullets, him winning it in 78 with the Bullets as an assistant coach, well, who are now known as the Wizards, obviously, but – bernie the way he's carried himself the knowledge he's shared with me personally bernie was my coach my first two years from 96 98 in the nba in denver and washington um just just what i've learned to see his son jb, J.B. You know him mm-hmm. since, since high school and to see how he's matured and become a phenomenal coach i think bernie and a lot of the guys a lot of us of the 15 would probably acknowledge bernie and uh as one of the guys who really has been at the forefront, trailblazing way for us to have this opportunity and for the numbers to be as such, 15 and 15. So mm-hmm. shout out to him, kudos, and much love always to Bernie Bickerstaff.
0: And another guy that comes to mind, guys, is Paul Silas. There's another guy yes. who, who's been around who, I, a, a, you know, as a player, whenever I would see Paul sitting behind the bench in Charlotte, I would make it my business to go around and shake his hand because he was just a mm-hmm. great guy, great coach, and he was very knowledgeable whether you were his his player or not, and, and I think you know because of what they stood for and how they were able to to be just one of you know you know the one to represent you know the, the, the black African Americans you know like you said Roz like as a player sometimes you need I mean you you have appreciation when there's a coach who's played the game but when you have mm-hmm. an African American coach who's played the game who understands you know whether what you're coming from what you're dealing with. On and off the court, that that means a lot as well, and that's just something in reality that some coaches can't give you. And uh, to see there's a you know there's fifteen coaches in in this game now doing that. I mean, it mm-hmm. says a lot. I mean, and it's you, you're going to see growth and maturity, and I think it's some of these players become because of it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's cool too, coming off of the bubble season. I'll point to that 2020. You know, it created an opportunity as well for a lot of the players to come together collectively around their frustrations. And they were actually demanding that, you know, not only do they want to see diversity, they want to see it in the coaching ranks, all of that. And to see that that voice actually also made impact. And, you know, it, it permeates the decision-makers' heads too. Um, so I, I'll shout out also, you know, the, the current class of players who are more aware of their platform and what they're trying to push for and be about. Real but quick, and they, just to add, I right.
0: think former players yes. in the former players in, getting in the business, period, whether it's, you know management or just helping in the coaching staff that means a lot man it's no it's no one better in my opinion and it's no knock to any coach who's never played who are doing great things in the league but it's no one better can give you knowledge and and, and drop gems to you for for a young player than former players because you've been through the ups and downs of what they can go through like you know it's one thing a coach can tell you what they've read what they've seen but like this this guy here can tell every player on his team what it's like Mm -hmm. To be in those positions to fail mm-hmm. and to succeed as a champion, and, and, and you know, of, of course, as a coach, but as a champion and but as a player, you 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 can That's you can point. make your decisions based off of that, and you know, it's relatable. It's easy to for a coach or a former player as a coach now to say on back to backs or five and six. Now, I mean, you you know, you know, what I'm saying you, you know what they feel, yeah. who they're really feeling. You're not guessing. Yeah. You're not asking around. You know personally, and that stuff yeah. means something. And I think the
2: piggyback piggyback on that is it's the thing that that this route has taught me and has really, I think, given me one of my biggest tools that's really set me up for success is the fact that how long it did take for me to get in this Mm -hmm. seat. Like, because, again, to all of Vince's points about being the former player, doing all that, I also had to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, how to teach, learn how to communicate effectively. Like not just say, Well, when I did it, this is how we did it. Like no, mm-hmm. be able to break down film, put together scouting reports, take the team through walkthroughs, um, had to sit in as an interim coach when yeah. Bud was out sick a couple times. So it, it's it's having that 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 behind like live what I call library experience as well, where right. you gotta keep those books open and really understand philosophically how it is we gotta teach this and, and being on the same uh, wavelength as my, my boss and coach bud and make sure I'm communicating effectively so everything and they just can't stop with playing and coaching and, and you know we've seen it now with my man James Jones his his success like he's had in Phoenix we need more guys behind the scenes in the front offices CD way, you see D Wade get a piece of ownership group.
0: A Rod coming to, man. in. I'm trying, y'all. y'all <laughs> listening, let's just do a good ownership. I can help out. I promise, bro. I promise. I'm just throwing we, that out there now since we talk about it. All right, we, carry need, on. we need we
2: need we need we need that, those opportunities handed out to all the minorities across the board, mm-hmm. man. With African American, brown, Latino, women, Jeez. you know, people from the LGBT community and uh I mean, it's, 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 to me, it's a perfect time. And, and shout out to the NBA for always being on the forefront of change.
1: Right. I mean, you clearly put that work in. And I know, too, that sometimes someone gets named a head coach, I know your phone was buzzing with check-ins hmm. and, you know, people trying to see if they can get on the staff. And given what you said, that you have the insight as a player, you worked also to add – the other aspects of coaching and teaching and analytics all that other stuff. So you could be a complete package, but you also had to make decisions around what kind of skill sets you wanted to be surrounded by in your staff. So what, Correct. how did Tough. you choose your support system knowing that there's an influx of people just checking in, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be cool. Well, I think,
2: I think it goes back to just being around the league, man. And like, Knowing just watching guys from afar, you know, and, and, and knowing having worked with certain guys and watch their, their their ascension in this business as well. Like Jordan, I, when we were, we started on Atlanta together in 2013, and he was in my right hand. He was like the guy that helped me compile my video to do my scouting uh, assignments when, when we were working with the Hawks together. He leaves with Kenny Atkinson and goes to Brooklyn. And even, uh, you know, Kenny unfortunately gets fired, but Jordan is... Improving that much to where they decide to keep him on and keep him in the franchise. Chris Gent and I, we played summer league ball together for Indiana back in the summer of 97 uh, with with Jalen Rose, uh, <laughs> Freddie Hoyberg, Eric Dampier, Austin Crozier. We were all on the same summer league team together. So it, it, it's. Small, small, small basketball is a small family, a small fraternity. And to see him coach college and then reemerge, spent some time with Mike Malone, mm-hmm. then reemerge in Atlanta with Nate and, 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 and Lloyd Pierce before Nate, like, mm-hmm. was with us one year with Bud. And Phil Handy and I go back. We played semi-pro ball together with the Florida Sharks under Eric Musselman back in the summer of 96. Uh, and,
0: take it back. Yeah, <laughs>
2: all the way back. Right. And, and he and, and I got our – <laughs> yeah, big time, and 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 he and I both got our start with the Lakers as first time assistant coaches at eleven to thirteen, uh, two thousand eleven to thirteen time span. So, and the, the the common denominator for all of the people I've I've added thus far is they all can roll their sleeves up, they all can still get on the floor, including mm-hmm. myself, be hands on, work with the players. They all have rich histories yeah. in the game, the court off the court. Um, and they're all great to be around. They all bring phenomenal energy, um, including young Scott Remer, who I brought with me over from uh, – You got Sheet, too, from, huh? from, from- right? Well, we're working on that, man. I, I left <laughs> one – we, we, we trying to push that line to get him in the fold, but him and along – he and along uh, a few other uh, uh, candidates – but, yeah, you know, she was with me when I was a head coach in, in the D-League, and he came out and helped me with my training camp and we'll would come out periodically throughout the season. He and Jeff, J-Mac, Jeff McGinnis. So it's 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 been a blessing, man. I've been able to engage beautiful people like the guy you on this this call with, Raj. Yeah. Like, like,
0: the VC Show is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get. With Caesars Rewards, must be 21 or older.
1: How about the Julie, LA, pro am basketball? The King pulls up. You know, LeBron pulls up, has an epic performance. What What did you make? Did you know it was happening? One. Uh, What did you make of it? And I I know there's two hats you wear. I'm sure there's one that's like, Lakers staff. But there's got to be also one as a hooper where it's like, okay, that was a big moment for, for like just cred, you know, how do you, what, what Absolutely. do you think
2: about it? <laughs> I, I found out about it at the last minute. He and I kind of text about it. I wished him luck. Um, say he's going to represent as he always does, you know. <laughs>
0: he ain't lying about that one.
2: <laughs> LeBron ain't cocky. He's just not short on confidence as he should be, you know, mm-hmm. and, but but he and I kind of text about it. Uh, but, man, kudos to him. I mean, that, that was the thing. Like, when we were coming up, like, as a young player in the league, my aunt, I had an aunt who was a parole officer in Houston at the time and didn't have a husband at the time, wasn't, you know, no kids. So I got a chance to crash at her place and go do those same type of pro ams at Fondy Rec Center. They used to have the Nike pro am at mm, Fondy right. Rec. Mm. You'll see Sam Cassell, Nick Van Exel, Stefan Marbury, um Robert Ory, all these guys, Rashard Lewis, all these guys used to play in that league. So, and it'd be like fifth ward, third ward, South Acres, it'd be the real Houston fans (laughs) in that gym. And the gym was situated like right downtown Houston. So I, I I love that. As a, as a guy played up, came up as a player back in the '80s and '90s. Before I got to college, playing a lot of street ball, mm-hmm. like you had those type of tournaments, like I'm Saint Cecilia down in Detroit, the Flint Pro Am, we had the August Sweat up in Saginaw, Michigan, where I'm from, and mm-hmm. you had all these legendary leagues everywhere. You know the Rucker in in mm-hmm. in, in Harlem, like you had all these leagues where guys, if they you know they wanted, they have want to have their name stamped not only in the rafters in the arenas, but also in the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, the street cred and knowing getting out there with the natives, man, and, and mm-hmm. going back and forth. So I'm happy he did it. I think it says a lot about him um, embracing the environment. Also, I, I, I'm happy that uh, it was received so well.
1: Yeah. What
0: is that? It was- How do, let me ask you this. How does that make you feel as a coach that a player of his status reaches out to you like, hey, I'm playing in this? You know, in this, you know, and I don't know if he's asking your thoughts or is just kind of a conversation because you heard about it. nevertheless, you're able to have that conversation and, and that, that says a lot about a guy of his status still being in communication with an organization. Because I you can you can I mean you can imagine this can be hesitation, but this is a guy who understands how to take care of himself in these type of atmospheres because he's done it before. It's not his first time. But for, for this is a like a standard that is set for player, superstar player and coach. Around the world and around the league for not even just NBA and college where now young fella just be in communication because just like you said you gave him his blessing and play well go represent you know what I'm saying so that's like I think when there's communication like that guy will 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 go out there and play not play recklessly but he'll play you know carefully because he understands the bigger picture and I think that says a lot about your relationship with LeBron at the door.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it, it's, uh, it, it was great, man. My, my communication with him and Russ and AD as well since I got the job, it's been, it's been phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's been with all of the guys and, and everyone that's in that building, the Genie bus on down. Like, it's been great. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm simple. I, I just, again, I, I stick to being competitive, to being hungry, to, to, but also understanding that there's a daily process involved. So, Seeing LeBron go out there in that environment, it, it, it said two things to me. Um, one, that he he, he, want, he wants this new generation of player to know that he's still that dude. Right. For don't. me, yeah. It, it's yeah, he ain't resting on his laurels. He's not kicking back. He's not showing up with the sunglasses on, mm-hmm. iced out, just watching and just saying he was there. No, nah, not only was he there, he participated. So that, let, that lets me know he's putting a stamp on not you know letting everybody know that he's still that dude, but also this new crop of players that like, mm-hmm. look, I still come out here and get busy with y'all. Mm-hmm. And then on, on the second, on the flip side of that also, he's still hungry.
1: Mm-hmm. Like he's a
2: competition at all times. And he won. You know how it is, Vince. You, you, the season is over. You had your chance to rest and hit the weights a little bit and – Low, those low impact workouts. Now you get to July and you start moving into August. Like, yep. you want you want a platform. You can go out there and see what you've been working on. Put it to the test a little bit. You know mm-hmm. your body and your skill set. So, mm-hmm. and it, to it's, that,
0: he's showing at 37, 38, 37, moving to 38 year 20. He still loves this game. You don't have to question go that going into the season. It's not, ooh, is he this? Is he that? Does he love it? You. It, that, that narrative is already out there and gone. That's nothing to talk about. You know, so Absolutely. it's just great to see. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and,
1: and I like that you liked it. That's And I think that's part of you having your player hat, too, having done this before. You understand why this moment was significant. I'll even admit I was surprised because, especially at LeBron's level, you have everything to lose. You know, just some every-old-day guy coming out there and get you in a spin cycle but, or he's already accomplished so much. But what I'm saying is, like, I love that LeBron was there. I came up playing in parks. I played. We went to EBC. We went to Rucker. We saw Katie come through and play. Like, these were huge moments. And it's not for everybody. You kind of described that Houston environment. It's a lot of pressure in that moment, too. And when these guys come out and dominate at that level, I think, for me, I thought it was a great moment for the culture. And LeBron, it'll be a huge part of his legacy, I think.
0: As and Ross, can, cool. can I ask, can I add mm-hmm. something real fast to that? Because I got the opportunity to play in Rutger. We we were playing at the yeah. Gaucho at the How time, that? and yes. it's insane, insane. But but see, it's just loving the game more so being embarrassed about what happens. Because I you, you know right. we're we talking about superstars, like next level stars, and these guys are going out there to play regardless. Because let in reality we understand there's a target on KD's back. There was a target mm-hmm. on my back at that time when I was at my height. There's a target on LeBron, whether, whether DeMar DeRozan, who's out there. There's a target that guys are going to do. This yeah. is making their life, and they understand that. But because they got to move off on them, especially, yeah, we're going to see it a couple of times, but guess what? They're going to still go back to the league and dominate. And, you yeah. know, there's right. a moment for those p- players. But I don't think, like, LeBron, there's no hesitation because they're not worried about what's going to happen on social media. For him, right. and I'm talking about for him. There's some guys who are who are hesitant to play in it because of what's gonna come out of it if somebody crossover hit a three. I had to do uh, you know, go out there and get his buckets and nobody even cared about what I did. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. it was like I love to play the game and be in that environment. Yeah, yep. you know what I'm saying? Like I am a Florida kid. I came out and so I was in town, I was like, You you wanna play in the heck yeah I wanna play in it. You know, I grew up with Tim Thomas. We all know Tim Thomas. I I know you guys, I know you know Roz as well. I played with Tim. So I played for Patterson Catholic. The, the, you know, we played in AEU together. So I, once I started playing there, I was like attached to playing pickup and, and being in those environments. And it wasn't about, ooh, showing up. It's about survival. Like, yeah, it is a survival. But it gives you that mm-hmm. that tough mentality to take to the league also. Yo, that's so
1: cool. You were at the yep. gaucho gym. We used to work out there in nice. the summer. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you also said you were keeping up with, with Russ and AD. Um, I saw you. You've been talking Russ up nice, and as you should be, you know, in the interviews, you said you can't count him out. Why is that the case for Russ this year?
2: I mean, you, you know, we, 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 we've we all had years where we could have done better, or you know, it, it, and had a better performance or things, circumstances didn't quite go our way. And I think just – everyone knows, knows what type of year that the Lakers went through last year. And it wasn't all of Russ's fault. I mean, when you go back and look at the games missed by LeBron at different segments, AD at different segments, I mean, those three only got to play a total of 22 games together. You know, you're talking about an 82-game season. And so uh, just the different, various energy uh, injuries with people within the lineup that were dependent upon within the rotation. um Russ having to carry a load and, you know, you, you, you're trying to go sign uh, G League guys. and You got COVID, mm-hmm. you know, people being put in the protocol because of the COVID. Like, so for all of this to be heaped on Russ, is, is kind of unfair in a sense and, and, and unfair in reality, to be uh, quite honest. But Russ is a guy I watched just from the day he came step foot into the league and the way he he's played, maintained you know, off the court, on the court, um, can pencil a man for a triple-double damn there every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to impact the game on both sides of the ball in some type of way. And so I just – my thing is let's give him a chance to see how he does in the Darvin Ham system with Darvin Ham's mm-hmm. principle before we just start dismissing him. And the one thing, one of my first goals was – was, and, and I was able to do that, was to connect with him and try to uh, make an appeal to him. Like, look, man, you know, what what's in the rearview mirror is in the rearview mirror. But we got this big windshield of opportunity that we're looking forward, that I know how I'm going to be able to move you around and use you in different ways, whereas it's going to be like, I think it's going to be phenomenal. I mean, you go back and look at how we, and there's going to be some things different, but people should see how we, we use Drew Holiday in Milwaukee. And, you know, LeBron, you know, Drew handling point guard duties, and they're doing a lot of stuff off the ball, too, mm-hmm. where Chris Middleton got to initiate. Giannis got to initiate. And here I am with these sort of – they're slightly different, but still sort of similar pieces in Russ, Bron, and AD, which I look at Drew, Chris, and Giannis. Like, I'm, I'm used to those different dynamic pieces and uh, being able to put the right pieces around them. And – uh mm-hmm. But I just I didn't like how everybody was piling it on him like it was all his fault and because uh, it's not.
1: hmm What What are the situations that you want to try to put him in to see him be successful that you think will help Russ shine?
2: Well, the first thing I know he mentioned to all of us, myself, Jeannie and Rob, was that he's going to be uh, a, a tyrant on defense, like a, a total pit bull. So I'ma hold him to that. Um, I told him he, 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 it's like the scene from Minister Society*. I said, "You know you done messed up, mm, you right?" You know you done
0: messed up.
2: It's just—it's a PG. It's a PG right, show. Right, facts, facts. <laughs> you really facts. That. But uh, I told him, you know, I, I, I'm I'm gonna hold you to that, and and not only that, but just getting him back to defending and try to create, and our whole team, entire team. And not having to play against a set defense you know being active causing deflections turnovers block shots getting out and being able to run i think our four out one in system once we do get the ball is going to allow him whether he's pushing the ball or he's running off the ball there's going to be places where he can get to if he's slashing to the dunker playing out of the dunker being a playmaker as a screener in the, in the pick and roll um i want him to lead like to shoot the most corner threes he's ever shot in his career like, when he's out ahead, instead of running back to get the ball, go ahead and let your teammate push it, get to the open spots. We're going to break the defense down because of the way the, our, our spacing is going to be constructed. You're going to be open for corner threes, like, just impacting the game in its totality, not just with the ball in your hand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what it's going to do, is going to diversify his attack and it's going to allow him to extend, an already an illustrious career, it's just going to allow him to ex- extend that career even more because he'll be able to do different things.
0: Ham, It seems like you've developed trust in, you know, obviously when you develop trust in, in, from the head of the snake, meaning your star players, it's easier to work its way down. And it seems like, you know, from day one, obviously, like as we talked about earlier, obviously organization, but players were more than obviously not outside of the Lakers. There's players who are extremely proud and happy for you. Glad to see you in this position, but seeing LeBron, uh, extremely excited for you. And it was, it was kind of crazy for me, regardless of all the situation, with Russ about possibly being traded or not. They were kind of questioning, why would he be there at the interview? But I thought it was great because that's saying, these guys have trust in you day one. You know, it's always hesitation. And, you know, sometimes, you know, star players don't want, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it may be that, you know, how it goes, like, you know, he gonna come in and try to change me or whatever. But it seems like they trust what you're trying to implement, what you're saying to them and allowing you to hold them accountable. accountable is is is, is, and i think that's major because if you can hold your star players accountable and i know i'm preaching to the choir when i say this but if you can hold your superstar elite your superstar players accountable it's easy at the bottom of of, of, of the the roster you have no excuse when i can tell russ ad or lebron james what they're doing wrong they buy into it they fix the problems and we move on so i like you know what i'm hearing and you know i like and, and i hope Russ can buy into it. It's like, you know, yes, he's not a great three point shooter, but it seems like the mentality you're, you're implementing already is I don't care what your percentage is. It's the mentality of shooting it and not hesitating mm. and everything That's- else kind of helps. And it turns itself over after that, because when you shoot with confidence, confidence is a mug, as you all know. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, definitely, man. It goes. It, it just go- for me. You know, I, 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 we, we, Bud and I used to talk about that all the time. And and one of the things, biggest things he brought from San Antonio being with Pop for 20 years was Pop being able to get on and chew out Tim Duncan, Manu, and Tony Parker. And when I saw Bud, you know, being able to get on Al Horford, Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap, then we get to Milwaukee, and he's able to get on Giannis, he's able to get on Chris, he's able to get on Malcolm Brogdon, and then when Malcolm leaves, he's able to get on Drew Holiday and, and really – When you're able to coach your best players hard and they know it's coming from a good place, not a personal place, but a place of, look, this is how we say we're going to play and we have to stick through that and stick to it and stick through it. Like, don't just change for the sake of change because you're getting tired of hearing my mouth. Mm -hmm. Everything that you hear me saying, It's going to be thought out. It's going to be prepared. It's going to be worked on in practice. And I'm never going to yell at something, yell at them about something that we didn't prepare for, didn't work on, Mm -hmm. at least. So there's there's I think they sense that with me. and, And Vince, as you know, this you know, this you play for some great coaches like when you know your players are locked in and they really are there for you. It becomes it it transcends the transcends the coaching and it goes kind of to more of a collaboration yes. because you know they're they're putting their best foot forward they're not just giving you counters because they don't feel like putting the effort into doing right. what we need to do is like okay I see them busting this behind and trying to get this done but here goes a couple of you know adjustments or some counters that we can implement into the defense or the offense. Mm. And I'm going to take their feedback and see, you know, take the consensus of how you want to do this. Yeah, let's do it. Let's work on it in practice. And then we implement it into the game. So when you see your players are bought in and everybody that coaches players on the same page, it becomes more of a collaborative effort. And, and that's all. When you look at the championship teams, that's all. That's all it is. Like the coaching starts to establish the trust, establish the accountability. But then as we grow within that, you see the players responding and being professional in that regard. Now we can collaborate. Now, you know, you can take feedback because you know they genuinely care. Right.
1: Yeah, you've got an interesting roster too. You've got a, a, you've got a team in general that has legacy and expectations and a fan base. You've got players who are veteran, who are former MVPs, who are champions. Um, and then you've got other players you're trying to surround them with. What thought have you given as far as your style as a coach, are you, are you, are you a yeller? Are you a player's guy? Are you going to be demonstrative? Like what's your style as a head coach?
2: I think if you go back and look at the Brooklyn game, I got the coach in any game for that matter. I'm, I'm definitely not a yeller. I'm not a runner. I'm not a screamer. I don't, I don't try to hide my truth within comedy or sarcasm. And I don't hide my truth within being abrasive or abusive or, or, cursing my guys out at every chance, at every turn. I'm just straightforward business-like. Um, I told them I always start, not just with coaching, but in life in general, showing, giving love and showing respect. Mm-hmm. And I, I know, you know the biggest thing about me is I care about my players, I care about my team, I care about my coaches. I want everybody involved with the Lakers organization that's wearing this logo. I want them to be proud and to be passionate about the brand, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And to do that, you have to implement that brand and inject that brand with beautiful people, people that's going to come and be their job every day. The last thing I'm going to do is, from a behavioral or character standpoint, is create a distraction and make it about me, myself, Mm -hmm. and bringing attention by doing some silly stuff on the sideline or i know the mics you know we, we, we're we a high profile team so mics are going to be everywhere cameras going to be everywhere and i'm just showing out for the camera no that's not how i get down mm-hmm. I, I just want my guys to be able to look forward to coming into an environment where they know i'm i'm gonna shoot straight with them they know they're gonna have fun and they know i have a feel for how much we should be working how efficiently we should be working and then times where we do have to turn it up a little bit but they know i have that feel and they know i have their best interest at heart <clears throat> And so uh, that, that's basically my style is a, a business-like approach, but we, we, we go work hard and we're going to have fun and play hard. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's going to be a lovely environment for all who, who gets to participate in it.
1: Right.
0: Well, D, D, we got a, you know, a few more questions. We'll let you get out of here because I know now that you're a head coach, you're a busy man, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as, as a coach for you in your first year, what and obviously you know I asked what do you feel will be your biggest challenge mm. as a first year coach you know and I know there's some that's just challenges guys going to you know bumps in the road that's going to but in in your mind what what I mean it could be anything what do you think your biggest challenge is as your first year as a first year coach
2: <clears throat> man just just defensively on the defensive side of the ball excuse me you know again having guys like Brian Russ AD they they they, they've carried such a load throughout their careers they want to be on the floor at all times but there's times you're going to have to need a break you're going to have to take a break so managing their minutes again um I think I know for sure that's going to be a challenge and that's going to be something that we work through but I think at the end of the day they're going to understand why I approach it that way in terms of trying to keep their minutes at a at a level to where it's manageable, they're not being over over exerted, and we're not, like, trying to break our necks to get wins and, and, and play playoff basketball in the first month of the season where mm-hmm. we're playing 42, 43, 44 minutes a game. You manage their minutes throughout the course of the season um, in order for them to be able to play in the 40s once we get to the postseason. But until you get to the postseason, you know, Vince, you've been in it, like – Postseason, your your rotation shrinks, right? And that's when your your, your big dogs who you paying all the money to and who's carried you up to this point. To that's when low. you really got it. Yeah, there's no back yeah. to back, so You have plenty of time to recover. So you're gonna you're gonna play those four have those forty minute games in 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 the play, playoffs in the postseason. But until in terms of building up to that, you got it's got to be a trust factor, and mm-hmm. we got to get the guys in the fold to be on the same page to where now. I don't have to worry about rushing Bron and Russ or AD mm-hmm. back into the game because these guys are not carrying their weight. So, in again, managing their minutes and make sure we're defending at a high level. Mm-hmm. We're not taking breaks. And those two things alone, I think you'll see a huge change in the type of energy we're, we're able to play with night mm-hmm. in and night out and also keeping our stars fresh and making them get stronger as the season gets, gets longer. Yeah,
1: I'm going to have to piggyback that because – another challenge, and this is outside of your control, is going to be availability. You know, if if one of the Mm -hmm. top players in the entire world or a top 75 guy is out for injuries, you know, that affects how how well the team's going to do and how other individuals on the team do. So, you know, I'm looking at one of my fave guys in the NBA, Anthony Davis, Uh, want to see AD out there just have a complete full season. And I would imagine you probably spent some time thinking about how you within what powers and control you have can make that happen and get the best out of AD right now in his prime.
2: Well, that's, that's, that's the other thing. Like just, it's, it's, it's a delicate, uh, a delicate bridge to walk on because coming into the situations as, as a new coach and understanding how we did things from where I come from, um, you also want to trust and believe in what he in his mind has done to prepare himself in the off seasons individually. And, uh, you know, I want to take AD back to his 2020 days when he was able to put this team on, on his back and, and be the focal point of them winning that championship in the bubble. Um, he's only 29 years old, so there's plenty of time left. There's plenty of gas left in that tank. Um, and again, it has to be a collaborative effort between our nutrition, our strength and conditioning team, us as coaches, his personal team that's with him every day in the summer, <clears> understand <throat> what we're building toward. And And you said the word availability is what we're building toward with him. So when you see a statement made, he hasn't picked up the basketball, hadn't done that, anything like that, I know that he's working on his body. And for me, that's top priority, like, His skill, once you get back in the gym, and Vince knows this, Your skill, once you start getting those reps back in, the type of high-caliber player that he is, that that timing and all that, that's not going to take long for him to come back. But in order to work on that skill, you have to have a body Mm -hmm. that's enough. Say it again. (laughs) Your body has to be healthy enough to even participate and go through those uh, workouts that you're going to do to get better from a skill standpoint. So just checking in with him, making sure he's feeling good, his body is feeling good. When I've seen him, he looks good. He's he's highly energetic about this new chapter um, going forward. And he's another guy that's been nothing but supportive and really, really giving me a lot of confidence, man, in in him um, wanting to have a huge, huge year this upcoming season.
1: All right, people, we're brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app ever, and honestly, the only one you need. It's not just about the big bonuses and boosts and promos that you get. It's the fact that every time you bet, whether you win or lose, you're earning towards the types of perks only Caesars can offer, free stays, concert tickets, bonuses, and more. That's because when you download the Caesars Sportsbook app, you become a Caesars Rewards member, and that means perks. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700.
0: Uh, but it's just great to see, you know, people that I've played against, you know, obviously we go back to college and then, you know, see anything in the NBA. Yeah, and we go back to tournament. 96 Yeah, Somebody, well, we go somebody back. broke that yeah. rim Broke yeah,
1: that
0: basket yeah. I mean, since I we're on the subject Go ahead, that. man, go ahead So yeah. so I want to hear both Who gets, can
1: of the Can that. I tell his <laughs>
0: side first? Because I don't want to hear his content. side yet
1: <laughs> You were in the play on defense And Darvin oh, my broke the net board I, Okay, go All right.
0: I'll tell you, okay, here's how it went down Okay <laughs> they, uh, it's, it's Gerald Sasser, right? Yeah Jason, 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 Jason. the son. son. So Jason Sassers, there was their, uh, their, their post player, one of their post players. So in our scouting report, when he was in the post guy, you know, we we were, we were doubling diagonally. Well, Darv was up, up top. That was my call. That was my, I go to double team as I'm getting there to double team. I put my hands up for double team. I did my job. He throws the yeah. ball up, and I turn. So I'm like, "Oh, this is great." I made him take a bad shot or yeah, a, yeah. Th- uh, shoot a bad shot. I turn, and I'm running the half court. Now I'm getting ready to throw my hand up because there's nobody down there. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, "What I'm gonna yeah. do in the break?" Like I'm about to do, go 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 crazy, right? So as I'm running down, I turn my hand to look. All of a sudden, it sounded like a symbol, like some, <laughs> a band member uh, clapped their cymbals or something. I'm like, "What?" And then next thing you know, it's like ding 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 ding. Glass is going, coming down, following down at my feet at half court. Oh yeah. So yeah. I look back, I'm like, huh? All I see is, <laughs> all I see is D head with two hands on the rim on my, my guy Serge Wicker's head. Serge is just standing there like this looking. So he has glass all in his hair. Antoine yeah. gets cut up a little bit like that, and it was like they. And so it's while we while they clean up, they're cleaning up, they like, dang, bro, you let that dude. I'm like, I didn't let him do nothing.
1: <laughs>
0: he goes on and he tears the, you know, he tears it up. So Roz, let me tell you what happened. I don't know, yeah. you probably never heard this, okay? So now it happens. It takes 25, 30 minutes. I remember AI standing in the tunnel. I don't know. If you He's like, yo, bro, what happened? You know, we explaining it. Okay, we go into halftime. We come into the second half. D-ham on the fast break. I'll never forget. Shaman Williams is in the front. I'm in the back. Darvet, they throw it back to D-ham. He cocks it back. We both do one of these. <laughs> 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 we both moved out of the way. We made a business decision. I'm like, bro. So, he's like, man, you move? why you why didn't take the charge? But you see what he just did on the other end the first half? Oh so, we gonna, hey, but look. Rods, we were willing to get yelled at by coach Smith because of what we saw, you know, and that, that goes apart about mentality though. And, and, you know, there again, this is the best, a former basketball player going into coaching who has been in those situations where you can teach this to your big man about mentality. Dump everything. You set the tone one time. Guess what it does for you the rest of the time? It opens the door. And I'm a living proof of it. I got out of the way. <laughs>
1: you got out of the way. <laughs> now oh, you, you can, can
0: tell your side of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Did
1: you get
2: cut? Did you get cut? Yeah, man. I got cut on the back of my arms, on my back, some. Um, twine that was, was good. up. Too. And it just from a coaching perspective, if they knew Vince was supposed to double team, somebody got to have his back and catch that block out. Because I had a straight shot downhill to that rim. And, man, they we were already pissed off because they kind of – I'll give you another exclusive. They kind of kicked us off the practice floor, too. I think it was the day before because we were in Richmond, Virginia, which was in Carolina's backyard. We all the way out there from little bitty Lubbock, Texas, out of West Texas. So we had a little small section, but it was Carolina blue in there. Like, you thought you was in uh, – Caribbean somewhere, man. with so much light blue in that place.
0: And, and we were doing our thing in the first half until that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we, and
2: you know, they they thought we were going to get killed, man, because we had played Northern Illinois that first game. We barely beat them. That was right. a, a struggle to beat them. Yeah. And you, you had Vince Carter, Antoine, Jeff McGinnis, Shaman, Serge Wicker, Dante Late. Like they, 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 had a a loaded squad, and it was it was just as fate would have it, and and. That because that play, the the game was going back and forth. Like, we right. were going back and forth. Right. I think my dunk actually tied the ball game up in the first half. And when we came out, one of my old teammates uh, actually spent a little time in the league, Corey Carr. He went on the ball. Ah, yes.
0: He's, yes. Yes, he like, did. four or five threes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, so he did. So really he open. But, now nah, it was Dang. great memories.
0: Well, in closing, we finally we, – we talked about you, you know, Shattering the blackboard against us, but uh, you know, <laughs> <clears throat> um, which was a, a, a you know monumental moment for college basketball. Well, let's talk about you taking that over to the NBA and being in the dunk contest. Oh, yeah, you know, you know, I obviously it was in the dunk contest and you know, it was a thing, and you dunked against you, I mean, you were in a dunk contest against Kobe, if I'm not mistaken. Kobe, Kobe, yeah. no, let's Kobe. talk about that, yeah, you know, let's talk about like what, what was it like, you know, you know, as far as you know. I know, well, first of all, coming into the league, how many times a day did you hear about shattering the backboard? And then, for short, now entering the dunk contest, the parallel of the two, let's talk yeah. about that. You
2: know, Man, every day, every day. <laughs> I, I give you a funny story, man. Uh, I, I can remember playing against Mike uh, my second year in the league. I, I was with Washington, yeah. And we were in Washington, and I, I switched off on him. He had the ball. He said, "Man, you, you that kid that broke the backboard against my school." Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said, "What you got?" And man, he went to you know he he, he 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 done put so many bullets on so many people, man. Where it's just like he probably don't even remember this, but. Man, he went into his little jab step, get to the baseline, fade away. Yop, I fouled him. And had one, he just turned around, stared me down. Look <laughs> I'm like, but I used to hear about it all the time. And in all honesty, being because I came in undrafted. That mm-hmm. that 96 draft was a heavy hitter, man. I didn't even expect to get drafted, to be honest, which is like, just give me in some workouts, I'll figure out a way to get on a team. And that year, myself, Adrian Griffin, chucky atkins My eric guy. Switman, ben wallace none of us got drafted ben went on to hell become a four-time defensive player of the year hall of Famer, right. and he didn't get drafted that year so to right. show you how strong that draft was but it kind of put pressure on me in a different sense of they said well he's just a one-trick pony only thing he can do is dunk so i had to show them that i can <sighs> guard multiple positions i knew how to run i knew how to space i knew how to play within myself mm-hmm. um I rebounds, uh, particularly offensively, get extra possessions. So I really had to come in and prove myself more so as a basketball player mm-hmm. as opposed to as an athletic high-jumping dunker. Mm-hmm. So it, it really was pressure. And then getting to the slam dunk contest, uh, I thought I got screwed over royally. I, I make no bones about it. Uh, <laughs> it was Kobe. You know, we had the uh, – I think it was the it, was it the rookie game, the rookie-sophomore game, and, and A.I. Had got the MVP for that game, and Kobe dropped 30 and didn't get the MVP. So, I guess they had to make sure he walked away with a trophy. But uh, I was the only one in that dunk contest that made all three of my dunks in the first round, and they had to watch them all on ESPN that night but didn't make it to the second round of the contest. So – and that's important. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. You're just saying. I understand. Speak your
1: piece.
2: <laughs> and so when I, when I get to LA, when I get to LA to Coach Kobe, I, he and I walking out, one of the first practices, I went over, he was warm, just warming up, shooting, I went to rebound with him for him. And um, I say, man, come on, man. It's just me and you over here, bro. You know you know, I beat you in that contest. You know. I, you know. He said, you know what, D.M.? He said, i give you that. You probably did. But we're going to keep the trophy
0: at my house. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, you probably did, but it's going to stay at my house for now. <laughs> oh, that's all right. <laughs> Rest in peace, Cole. man. That's, that is that is the Kobe line for you right there, boy.
2: God bless his soul. It was such a pleasure to get to coach him, play against him, be around him every day for two years, man. It was just it was awesome, brother. I miss him every day especially now being here.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Well, D-Ham, man, you. we appreciate you, man. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate your time. I know your time is valuable. Good luck to you. We Obviously, hopefully I get a couple of games come, you know, shuck a job and fool around with okay. you. You know what I'm saying? But, man, do well. We were rooting for you. And good luck to you, man. Roz, what you got? It
1: was a great pleasure. I I don't think I've spent this much time speaking with you before. I don't know you anywhere like Vince does. and. I'm like what you say. I believe. I'm like he's he's gonna earn respect, and that's in common ground. So I'm excited for this new era, and it was really fun to, to listen to you. Thank you. I appreciate
2: it, Ross. <laughs> Thanks, VC.
1: <BC>. Always.
2: <laughs> I mean, so we catch dinner too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big